Welcome to episode 1010 of The Sleeper in the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, rolling without Jason Collette today. Uh, unfortunately, he had a last-minute cancellation, but that's why I bring in some ringers. That's why I bring in some guests. I'm bringing in Marty Tallman from Triple Play Fantasy. Marty, welcome to the show. Justin, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I consider this um, podcast to be on the Mount Rushmore of Fantasy Baseball podcast. So to have the opportunity to come on here, talk baseball with you on a Sunday morning, doesn't get better than that. So thanks. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Why don't you uh, let people know who you are, for those who don't know you, mm -hmm. uh, and kind of tell them where you can reach on social media, talk about what you do over at Triple Play, because uh, you guys are just blowing up, you know, kind of came onto the scene, you know, a couple of years ago, not even a couple of years ago, really. I think I just realized, or I just got like one of those on this day notifications. Like I was on uh, the triple play fantasy podcast uh, a year ago today for the first time. Yeah. Um, I think actually a year ago, a couple days ago. So tell people a little bit about triple play, tell people a little bit about yourself. Cause you're awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So Triple Play started in 2020. You know, you know, D Mendy, you know, Eric, Art, all the guys over there. They're great dudes. Uh, they're pump. We're pumping out stuff for fantasy baseball, fantasy football, basketball, pretty much anything we can get our hands on. And as for me, um, I am the lead fantasy baseball analyst at Triple Play. So I focus only on baseball myself, which is kind of a bummer right now as what we're going through. But you know, I digress. We'll, we'll be fine there. And as far as podcasting, you can find me on the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show that we do every week. Me, David, Doc, and Art. And then I'm also working on the, um, it's called The Call Up. It's on the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel where Christian Crespo and I are actually breaking down every single farm system across Major League Baseball. So we've tackled the AL East, the AL Central, and now we're going to go on to the AL West. So having a bunch of great guests there. You can find us on the Triple Play YouTube channel. And continuing just to write, I'm getting my ranks out, and it's draft season's like woo, tomorrow, basically. So we gotta we gotta get things moving. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm I'm in drafts. I'm in a draft right now. I just started one. It is the slowest moving slow draft ever. It, it, not ever. It's 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 really slow. It's it's compounded by the fact that uh, the guy on the 15, 16 turn has taken the entire two hours. Every in, time. Yeah, well, end of round one, into round two, and then he timed out in round three and four. Kills me. Kills me. If I didn't have enough on my plate as it is, <laughs> haven't had this dagger in my in my side. It's going to lead you to an early grave. Um, I would usually be on board with that, but I can't even say anything because we're doing the Battle of the Podcast League and – I think our average time, because all four of us uh, at Triple Play, we're all doing it together. We're in League Two. I think our average time is about an hour and thirty minutes. So we're one of those Ooh. people. So, yeah, that but, wouldn't go over well if you're in League One. We're in League One, <laughs> and I, th I think Govier is it was the guy who's kind of the slowest. Um, yeah, and uh, Govier and then and Dave McDonald, the J and Jake Halisker team were, were pretty slow, but they. Uh, uh, we, we roast each other pretty good in that well, one. Good. And, and that's all. I mean, yeah, and throughout the group chat, everyone's yelling at us every single time. So as long as, you know, you're able, you're throwing it back at us, I think it's 100% fine. And speaking of um, drafting, so tomorrow, the triple play um, player, the triple player ball starts tomorrow. Um, so that's going to be huge. We have 45 people um, across three leagues. I think you're in it as well. I am. The Golden I, uh, Cleats. Mm -hmm. I was able to kind of uh, sub out one of my leagues for that um yeah. so i don't go over my my league's cap because i saw the trophy 
That's what I was going to ask. What, what, what got you? Yeah, it was the trophy. <laughs> I, I saw the trophy and I was like, oh, I want in on this. Um, I have the 11 spot. So uh, it's will be interesting because I haven't liked drafting from the back. So my current league, I'm drafting from 13 and the one that starts tomorrow for triple play, you guys. Uh, yep. I'm drafting 11. So it's kind of nice because I, I like these early drafts and uh, so these cheaper drafts kind of put me out of my comfort zone a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so getting to draft from a different spot is always a good way to kind of test your theories before you get into the big money drafts. Like I'm hoping I I get an early pick or a middle pick in my in my big money drafts, but uh, it, at least it, your guys' drafts can give me an opportunity to kind of test my metal at a position I'm not really comfortable with so with some really good players. Yeah, I'm gonna be at um, I pulled the number one pick, oh. so. You know, that's easy. Yeah, that'll be that'll be nice and easy. I like having the um, you know, on the turn being able to the build your roster. Obviously, being so far away from the next crop of people coming away, it's hard to kind of you know foresee what's going to be there. But um, you know, it's a lot easier, I think, than the uh, the middle picks this year. Do you already know who you're taking? Um, I do. I do okay. know who I'm taking. It's going to be Trey you, Turner. It's going to be Trey Turner. It. Okay, Trey Turner. Right. It was going to be him or Fernando Tatis. Um, with it only being 45 people in the overall, I feel like I don't need to completely max out. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Jason, very nice to meet there you. There we go. But, hey, uh, yeah, sorry I'm uh, I'm late. Hey. We, we, we didn't think you were coming, so it's now a surprise. Yeah, yeah it uh, is a surprise, just like my, my son letting the dog out the front door. Uh, yeah, so I had to go run and uh, and go and go get her back in. She was uh, running down the sidewalk in the main street. Thankfully, she's not courageous enough to try to cross the road, but um, she was out there. That's scary. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, um, here we are, and we are streaming this live for everyone. Usually, we stream this just for the Patreon uh, people in the Discord. Uh, you can sign up for that. We've, we've been streaming every episode since, I think, the beginning of the year. Uh, but I thought, we'd, you know, it's TGFBI Announcement Sunday. We would share it with yeah. the world because that's what today is about. Uh, for those of you who have been waiting for the TGFBI announcements and what leagues uh, you are in, that will be coming out later today. So uh, it won't be a live stream, but it will be coming out later today. Yeah, forget uh, the Pro Bowl. Yeah, just come uh, in. Yeah, yeah, I don't think anybody cares about the Pro Bowl. Like it. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what time the Pro Bowl is on. Is it on right now? Uh, three something today. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I could not care less about the Pro Bowl. Uh, uh, yeah, me neither. I got to I got to rewire some uh stuff in the kitchen. So, <laughs> that's my that's my afternoon. Uh, so today we are talking about some kind of late targets. Um, I'm glad uh, Marty was able to join us. I'm glad Jason was able to show up. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, kind of some late targets. And what I did was I asked for a, a late target in each category that we're going to talk about for each league, right? So after pick 200 for 10 teamers, after pick 240 for 12 teamers, after pick 300 for 15 teamers. To, I know not everybody plays 15 team leagues. We tend to focus on deeper leagues. Uh, but I wanted uh, some of the shallower leaguers to uh, have some, uh, you know, targets to think about um, and to research. Uh, but first, let's talk about some news, right? We've we've had a couple signings, which is weird during the lockout, but apparently teams are allowed to sign uh, minor league contracts with players. Uh, we also have a rumor. We're going to start with the rumor first. Uh, and the rumor yesterday was that the Yankees will take a run at Freddie Freeman once free agency opens back up, 
this is a little weird. They don't really have uh, an open natural opening for him. They obviously would push Luke Voigt probably you know to the bench or to another team. Um, they've been rumored to be in on Matt Olson. So, Marty, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on Freddie Freeman potentially wearing pinstripes? Uh, I think if you're a Yankees fan, you got to be very excited. And as a Braves fan, you got to be no, no, Jason, we're not excited. <laughs> but as a Braves fan, you got to be pretty, pretty bummed out. Now, here's my biggest thing, and I'm a Detroit Tigers fan. So the Miguel Cabrera, the 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 second big extension, you know, is something that's been eating us for the last few years, and it's really you know stopped us from being able to make progress. So from that perspective, I could see maybe why you know the a Yankees fan wouldn't want Freddie Freeman, but from a fantasy fantasy perspective, I absolutely love it. Jason, yeah, it's it's like that scene uh, in in the office where Michael Scott's like, no, no, no. Uh, that's me, the the race fan reacting to that. Uh, but you know, and it would be great for Freeman. Uh, not that he's a pull hitter; he can hit it anywhere uh, in the park. Uh, and so, but when I look at it, it, doesn't make any sense. It kind of feels like agent speak, like trying to draw up interest. Because let's not forget, the Yankees are already over the luxury tax threshold as it stands now. Uh, we don't know what it's going to look like once the owners get some maturity and then and finish this negotiation process. Uh, but Yankees are already over uh, and pulling that. Uh, and you, you could say, oh, yeah, the Dodgers and, and the Mets are over, too. But, you know, the Dodgers over by nine and a half million uh, looking at spot track. The Mets are over by 19.7. The Yankees currently are, have a luxury tax. They're 11, almost 11, four over. Uh, you add somebody like Freeman, that's going to put you the, like the Mets. The Mets are like almost $55 million over uh, is where they're at. And that's probably where we're uh, adding a Freeman. If that is the only thing they add this, uh, this spring, you know, in the, in the sprint that we will have all these transactions. So to me, honestly, it just feels like agent speak, somebody trying to jump enough business. Uh, I, I still think he goes back to Atlanta at the end of the day, go take a look at that Atlanta projected lineup without him. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I think he goes back there. I mean, he's got all that. He's got that nice place in Georgia. I can't imagine living living in the South your whole life and saying, I'm going to go live in New York for six months a year. I can only take it three uh, three days at a time. I can't imagine having to live up there. No offense to any of the listeners. But, yeah, you know, yeah. As somebody who's been in the South his entire life, I, I seriously, by day four when I'm in New York, I am done. I need to get out. <laughs> Alienate all our New York uh, listeners. Thanks. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I tend to agree with Jason. This seems like such an a weird fit. I mean, but so did the Matt Olson rumors, and those have been really, really prevalent. You know, they don't really need to add a power-hitting first baseman. What they need to add is pitching, right? Um, so I, I think if they're going to allocate assets, you would think that they would do that. I would be interested to see what they would do with Luke Voigt if they were to add a Matt Olson um, or a Freddie Freeman, it would clearly put him on the outside looking in. You have to wonder if he gets traded as a result of any move like that. Um, but I, I, I tend to agree. I think he ends up back in Atlanta. It just feels like the right fit for him. He's the face of that franchise. I think if they're smart, they're going to do whatever they can to uh, bring back uh, a guy who just helped them win a World Series. Hey, Marty's, Marty's got a valid point. Back half of that Mickey deal has been really, really bad. Uh, and, uh, you know, we talked about back when, you know, what was it, 10 years ago, uh, nine, eight years ago, 
oh, Baltimore must re-sign Chris Davis. Not that I'm saying Freddie Freeman's going to age right. like Chris Davis, but I mean, this was they had to do it, and and Boris got the deal done for Davis, and it didn't take long to realize, uh oh, I think I've made a huge mistake. Uh, they're still paying it, uh, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> Those legacy contracts, you know, and we've seen they can really, really hurt you in the long term. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know that Freeman is the kind of guy that's going to age that badly, right? We didn't, I mean, I didn't think Cabrera would age this badly. I didn't think Pujols would age. Well, no, Pujols' body type, you could kind of see it coming. Yeah. Um, like, I, so, yeah, Freddie Freeman, stay in shape. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, anytime you give a guy a contract into their late 30s, um, that's that's not going to age as well as you know. But, um, I mean, they've, they've profited so much off of his early part of his career that I think they can afford to take that hit. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe they don't. Maybe they say, listen, we'd love to have you back, but we can't. Af- we, we, we don't want year five of that contract. Uh, so we'll see. Let's, uh, let's move on, though, to a signing. Uh, Gordon Beckham uh, had a workout with the Twins, and showed enough where they offered him a minor league contract and a million dollars if he makes the opening day roster. Jason, do we care? We don't because a week ago he announced his retirement. On January 27th, he literally on his Twitter account said, I'm out of baseball. And then a week later, he's getting a minor league contract. (laughs) Listen to your gut. When you say you're done with baseball, you're done with baseball. Uh, But, you know, Kudos for him if he wants to go down to Fort Myers for a few weeks, try it, try it again. But if he hasn't played in this in the league in the past two years, uh, and here he is trying again, yeah, good for him. Maybe it's a co- maybe it's a, a foot in the door for a coaching gig. Uh, but I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Marty, do you care? Um, the only reason why I care about Gordon Beckham because I really appreciated his um, when he tweeted that uh, he's officially announcing his retirement uh, because he wanted to do it the same year as Buster Posey, which I thought was pretty funny. But other, outside of that, no, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I'm with you guys there too. One I do kind of care a little bit about is Dan Straley. He signed a minor league contract uh, with the Diamondbacks. I kind of wonder if he had either waited till after the lockout or if there wasn't a lockout whether he would have gotten a major league deal because he pitched very, very well over in Korea. Marty, any interest in uh, putting Dan Straley on kind of the end of maybe a, a deeper league? Potentially like in a DC as like, you know, maybe one of your last, um, you know, dart throws. Um, but yeah, going back to the KBO, we might have to start watching this here shortly if they don't start pulling it together. But yeah. uh, I'm happy for Straley. We don't really <laughs> often, we don't really often see that. You know, where you go over go overseas for a few years, do pretty well, and then get pack, get picked up by the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks need all the help they can get. So it's possible he can make the um the major league roster. Jason, are you interested in Dan Straley? Uh my so my last two picks in my DC fifty were Michael Lorenzen and Brad Keller. Uh if if Straley would have done this before that draft would have run out, I would have thrown my fiftieth round selection on. That's yeah, that's my interest. Uh, or if I'm in a deep, like I haven't, uh, and, and I'll only keep really 40 man rosters, he'll likely end up on that team as well. Because um, he did. I mean, the shell shock, I know the last time we saw him in the major leagues, he was pitching in Baltimore. And, you know, let's not forget it's Baltimore. Uh, and that was rough. Uh, he went over to uh, Korea, uh, worked on some things, has been really cool on Twitter to follow and listen to. And, uh, as he's worked through some stuff. So really want to see how this plays out in his return. I mean, 
if you look at the bat projections, they have a really nice total for him, at least in his one loss record. But <laughs> I'm assuming that's six wins, nine losses. Bingo. Uh, I am interested. In- Problem is, you after this signing, you will no longer be able to get him in your 50th round or 48th round yeah. of your DC. He's probably going to jump up a good 10 rounds. Uh, that being said, he he definitely worked on some stuff in Korea. Uh, and, and those who I've talked to who, who watch uh, a lot of the KBO, I mean, I, I watched during the 2020 lock era uh, kind of delay too. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, didn't really. Um, uh, they say he looked pretty good. Uh, now, will that translate? I don't know. I mean, we've seen a few different iterations of Dan Staley, but I mean, if you're talking about your 38th or 39th round pick in a DC, I think it's worth a gamble, especially in Arizona that does not have a ton necessarily in that rotation. And it's a great place to pitch, right? Chase is, is a really nice uh, location for him. With the humidor, it's nicer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Anything's hopefully, better than old Camden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So hopefully that'll you know, make things a little bit easier for him, keep the ball in the yard a little bit more. So uh, I'm rooting for him, uh, you know, and I'm going to try to get him on 18 before the end of uh, this season just just to have, you know, an extra little rooting, uh, a reason to root for him. All right, let's uh, – that's all the news. There, there are no other signings. It's, it's a lockout. Hopefully we'll get some news if things start to progress at some point in the CBA, but at this point, I don't want to make anybody any more down than they already are. Let's talk about some late You do, I'm going to bring a mediator in here. Sorry. Uh, I would reject that because I bring enough to the show already that's fair for everyone. Um, so there's no need for a mediator. Uh, but Listen to you, pro owner. <laughs> yeah, you like that? Um, no, that's what the player said. The player said, we don't need a mediator. Um, yeah, definitely, that is I'm, true. But I'm definitely not pro owners. I'm not, yes. I'm, no way. Somebody, I, I was it, uh, uh, Dave Laurel that put out a survey, like, which side uh-huh. do you want? I think it was 95 to 5 players. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes! And there were, there were people, I retweeted it, and pe- there were people, like, in my comments who were like, uh, I, I need to know who these five percent are. Like, who are these five percent that are, are pro owners? Um, and somebody, uh, I can't remember who it was. If it was uh, Lindsay Adler um, or someone uh, that you know tweeted out, like, this is the first time we've had a real labor negotiation in the age of social media. Yeah, a few people have made that. I think uh, Emma Bacaleri made. Oh, that's who it was. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. So it's it's great because. I was having a discussion with somebody the other day where, you know, previously everything ran through the media and, you know, do the writers want to bite the hand that feeds them? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, like, and I think we even saw some of that old school with the, with the AP sports tweet that said, oh, with the, with the players rejecting the media. So it's like, no, don't both sides this crap. Uh, they would unlock the door. The players would come back in. Now, would they potentially then go on strike like they did back in, in the spring of 95 deaths. And then you can both sides it if you wish, you know, but no, everything right now has been one side of this equation. And with that, I'm going to shut up. I'm you know, just give me, <laughs> give me spring training. i literally have tickets to spring training games and I'm like, oh, come on, man. Yeah. Yes. There, there was a part of me when tout got uh, moved to the online um, that thought, oh, maybe I'll go to first pitch Florida, you know, and, and hang out there. And, yep, those are uh, the things I have. <laughs> yeah, go see some spring training games. And then I went, I don't know that we're going to have spring training games. Uh, so, 
Well, I heard they're going to have the spring training games, but it's going to be all players that are not on the 40-man roster. So, you know, non-roster invitees and minor I ain't league players. thirty seven fifty for those tickets, though. Sorry. I hear you. Hey, yeah. I, I hear you. But, you know, the, the owners don't care about that. They'll run mm-hmm. out whoever they want. So I mean, and, not what I can go to a minor league game and pay $12 and sit behind yep. the plate to see the same yeah. guys next yep. month. Uh, Literally the same guys. Arizona Fall League tickets were like nine, 10 bucks. So yeah, like, but now I go to Cannapolis Cannonballer games up here mm-hmm. and I can, $15 gets me home plate seats. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great place to watch games and it's, you know, it's the uh, I am low A Southeast. Either way, great place to watch games. Uh, may even do a mini season ticket package this year. Cause I think I ended up going to eight or nine games last year. I think packages start 10. So I might as well go more. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's move into our late round targets. Um, we're going to start with speed, uh, and so I asked you guys to each, uh, you know, pick a someone going after pick two hundred, someone going after two forty, uh, and someone going after three hundred. Let's start with going after two hundred. So this is mainly for ten teamers. Marty, who's your guy? Yeah, so, and this is just, I'm going to start off with my overall philosophy of how I want to build catcher. So, and I was thinking this more of like a, you know, a 15 team, uh, two catcher league. So mm-hmm. my goal first is to, to secure one of my top six catchers. You know, we know platoons are heavier than ever. Um, ATC projections only have five catchers who are projected to reach 500 at bats. So I want to be able to secure a stud, you know, one of my top five, top six. And then from there around, you know, after pick 200, who stands out to me is Christian Vasquez for the Boston Red Sox. His current ADP over the last month is 209. And similar to what you guys covered last episode about what makes Nathaniel Lowe stand out a little bit more at first base is a guy who can chip in steals at a non-speed position. So last year, Vasquez had eight stolen bases. Um, his sp- his uh, sprint speed isn't anything to write home about. You know, there's nothing crazy there, but he has the, the willingness to do that. And when you look at his ATC projections for 2022, he's projected for 10 home runs, six stolen bases with a 255 batting average. So, you know, be able to get close, maybe six, eight steals from the catcher position is something that makes me really happy. And as my second catcher, I think it's a good, uh, good look. All right, Jason, what about you? Who's a guy going after 200 uh, as a catcher that, or not as a catcher, as a, as a speed target? I'd say there, are no other, there are no other catchers after 200 as a speed target. That's it. Uh, you know, for me, the obvious one that I put down was Gene Segura because he is just outside the 200. I think he's like 205, 209 range. And he's projected to hit leadoff for the Phillies. I mean, it's kind of puzzling. I think we made the same kind of conversation with, uh, and hopefully I'm not stealing your answer uh, for deeper, but Tony Kemp, uh, you know, we made the same kind of argument for him. Projected hit leadoff, has speed, should have opportunities, and is outside of 200. When you look at what Segura's done uh, over the course of his career with the ability to hit leadoff, with, where he's had some seasons with some volume uh, in play, I, I'm, I'm surprised he's currently still outside of 200 over the last two weeks. Uh, and, and that was DC 50 leagues. I just pulled it was like 13 drafts over the last two weeks. He's still going outside the 200. I do expect that to change. So if you're drafting this week, uh, you, you may be part of that change, but I'm just surprised to see a leadoff hitter with his track record of volume uh, and, and speed as everybody is talking about how speed is, is uh, drying up that he's still going outside the top 200. Yeah. He's a guy who's, who's rising up the ADP right now. Uh, I believe I'm going to be writing him up later today for for my article on the ADP market report for tomorrow. So uh, he's definitely going to be rising and probably continue to rise. Uh, my guy's Nicky Lopez. Like 
uh, all like Nicky Lopez did last year were, were hit singles and steal bases, you know, had a good average, stole a bunch of bases. And people are, for some reason, ignoring it. Miles Straw is getting pushed up into like the top, you know, 150. I've seen him go like, you know, around pick 110, 120. Like, but everybody just is ignoring Nicky Lopez as if he's going to lose his job at some point. They've already said that uh, Witt will likely play third base. Uh, they've already said that Mondesi is probably not going to be a full-time player. Uh, Nicky Lopez, you know, makes a ton of contact uh, inside of the zone. Uh, I think what he did last season is pretty legitimate, and to get a guy going after pick 200 that could potentially steal you 25 to 30 bases uh, at the shortstop position, I think has value. I think people are, are – I understand people not wanting to roster powerless players, but in, to, to steal the old uh, 06010 uh, saying, the hate has gone a little bit too far on Nicky Lopez. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hate story on Nicky Lopez uh, last year. Uh, everybody has one. Everybody has one. So I think in 2020, uh, I included him as bold prediction as somebody that was going to do something, didn't do anything. And I, I vividly remember making jokes uh, at uh, in the chat room, because we weren't at Tetwars, we were in the chat room. Uh, or something, but making jokes like middle infielders drying up. My line of my my do not cross line is Nicky Lopez. That's what I'm trying to avoid. And so I remember buying somebody else because like Nicky Lopez was like, no, I'm not because I think I had him the year before, uh, and I'm just like, no, he hasn't shown enough. If he hits, he's gonna hit ninth, whatever, and then he comes out and does this. Um, I, I believe he was on Rick and Glenn's roster. Shocker, they won the league. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's where it goes. But yeah, the Nicky Lopez hate with me was very real last year. Uh, because you know he had literally done showed absolutely nothing, um, and then here he out here he uh, comes out and does what he's doing, uh, what he did last year, uh, and now you look at the projections they have him hitting second in the lineup behind you know two hit wit, so he's going to have two opportunities to drive in runs uh, every game if he's hitting behind two hit wit every day. <laughs> but I feel you on that. I had um, I had Nicky Lopez when he first came up, and I had yeah. really good. You know, I was expecting him to hit the ground running and we got absolutely nothing from him. So last year I completely avoided him and I missed out on all those stolen bases at a middle, a middle infield position. You know, you, you, it's pretty good. You can't do yep. much better than that. Even if he is only going to get you five, six, seven home runs. If he stays with the 300 batting average, get you the 25, 30 plus steals. And in that, and as you know, the Royals are going to run like they're fully committed to that and they have nothing. They have you know, no problem with doing it. So yeah, I like it at the, at the, at that ADP. All right. Uh, I was going to pick someone, and then I looked down the sheet and saw that Jason had picked him for after 240. So I'll let Jason start on this one. Talk to me about Andres Jimenez. Well, I took him because Marty took my answer. I was going to put Tommy Pham. So I go on the sheet. I'm like, oops, never mind. Uh, and so with, with Jimenez, uh, it's it's somebody who had – uh, you know, he displayed he's displayed his ability to run uh, throughout his minor league career, even in his major league career. What he hasn't done is displayed his ability to hit at the major league. Didn't we just say this about Nicky Lopez? Uh, and, and honestly, this is the reason why I, I like in on here because Nicky Lopez showed the ability to run in the minors, didn't hit in the majors. Then when he had the opportunity, did both. Uh, and Jimenez was part of that Lindor trade package. The uh, you know Cleveland wanted him along with uh, Ahmed Rosario, so like they were going for that duo. So for me, when I'm seeing this down here, and I took uh, Jimenez, I'm trying to remember exactly where I ended up taking him. He was one of my early uh, reserve picks uh, in the DC 50. I want to say I took him in the 25th round. 
Um, but you know, his ability, you would figure he's going to have multi-position eligible. I'm sorry. I took him in the 23rd. Um, so he was right. He was right there. And I, I punted and waited a few, um, you know, a few selections. I got Rowdy Tellis because if this was a real draft, I had a corner infield spot open. Uh, and I went with Jimenez and took Tellez like four picks later uh, with that. So I do like the guy because I feel uh, as he has the chance to be this year's Lopez, where the, the bat catches up with the legs. All right. I, and I, I'm in complete agreement with, with Jimenez. Uh, Marty, talk to us about Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham, yeah. So his ADP is at 262.93. He's a free agent, so there's obviously a little bit of unknown there. Um, but I was very encouraged because one of the biggest things when we talk about Fam is his inability to stay healthy and play a full season. So last year he played a career high 155 games. Over those games, he hit 15 home runs. He stole 14 bases. And he only batted 229, but his OBP was 340. So he walks with some of the best of them. His ATC projections have him for 2022 with 14 home runs, 16 stolen bases with a 253 batting average at, you know, Post 250, I absolutely love where Fam's at. Yeah, I like Fam too. I'm interested to see where he ends up, though. Um, yeah, I think that's gonna that's gonna determine a lot. And he can uh, even move up more for me, you know, mm-hmm. depending on where he lands. You know, I don't think, um, you know, where he was with the Padres, they they let him run a little bit, but we we're always a little concerned about him being able to stay healthy. Now he's able to show that. I think he'll be able to sign a multi year contract, and uh, we'll see though. All right. Uh, I, I was torn on a couple different guys, so I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna double check the sheet, make sure neither of you guys are talking about one of those guys later. Uh, but kind of in this spot for 12 teamers, you know, uh, I, Garrett Hansen is interesting. Another free agent is Jonathan VR. You know, VR is one of those guys that seems to have turned into a super utility guy for for uh, a few different teams at this point. We know he's got a little bit of pop in his bat. He has the ability to take a walk, but he also just steals bases and. I think the fact that he does not have a uh, team yet is one of the reasons why his price is so depressed. He had a really awful start to the season last year in which I dropped him in one of my main event leagues uh, and then ended up having to punt speed later on because they didn't have enough stolen bases. But uh, I think VR is a guy that uh, people are sleeping on a little bit. Also, my boy Garrett Hampson. I mean, he just – is this the year he finally gets to play? He's like 29 years old. They uh, – you know, they, they gave young him... for Rockies, 29 <laughs> sweet spots. Exactly. Perfect, right? Let, let's not let's not start the younger guys and, and give Garrett Hampson finally a, a full-time chance. I think he's gonna gonna play unless they bring in other players, which they've I guess been rumored to uh be on. But uh, those are my two guys at this spot. Marty, tell me your guy post three hundred that you're interested in picking up for speed. Yeah, so post three hundred, um looking at Max Kepler. So um, last year he hit 19 home runs while stealing 10, uh, 10 stolen bases. His batting average was down. But when you, you know, you lift up the hood here and you look at his underlying numbers, you know, his walk, uh, he still is in the 77th percentile for a walk. So, you know, he's going to get on base plenty. He doesn't strike out too much. Um, he's still hitting the ball pretty hard, you know, 71st percentile uh, in barrel percentage. ATC projects Kepler this year to hit 25 home runs and steal 10 bases. So he's only 28 years old. The Twins had just overall a down season for everybody across the board. So where he's at, I think he's giving me tons of upside with speed and still giving you the 25 home runs with 10 stolen bases. I mean, you're not coming around that too often. And like Akil Badu and Robbie Grossman and other players that are giving you that or around that, um, they're going a lot earlier. So I like where Kepler's at. 
Jason, who's your guy post 300? Uh, my guy's a guy who's had one stolen base over the past two years, and that's Cesar Hernandez. Uh, and and I've, I've spoken about him quite a bit uh, this winter, and I'm, I'm still on this train. I mean, when you look at him, he's again, he's going to hit second in the lineup. Uh, he's going to be there. My, uh, he's going to be there in between Lane Thomas and, and Juan Soto. My only concern is if he, if you know, he's on first base with one out, he steals second. Juan Soto is going to be on first base, like a pitch later. Uh, so that would be the only concern I have to see how that plays out. But it's not like Cesar Hernandez is slow. I mean, he has and sprint speed doesn't tell you everything about it, but he's 90th percentile sprint speed over the past three years. And so my belief is that he has only stolen one base in the past two years based on philosophy and not because of an inability to run. Uh, you know, if we even look back a couple of years ago, he was always in the teens, 15 to 19 stolen bases. Then he went to nine. Uh, that was right about the time that Gabe Kapler came in and then Joe Girardi came in. And so he's been under Joe Girardi and he's been under Tony La Russa uh, and he was under an interim manager in Cleveland. Those were his last three. Now he's going to Davey Martinez, who comes from the Joe Madden coaching tree that I love to run. Uh, and and that's what the team has done under Martinez. And so I want to see how that applies to Hernandez and his athleticism up there in top of the lineup. Again, if this doesn't come to fruition, it's because they're concerned that Juan Soto is just going to get put on first every time uh, Hernandez steals that base if they stay in, in between one another. Perhaps Hernandez goes to the leadoff spot where that could be avoided, but we'll see. But it just, it's just mind-boggling to me that somebody with that kind of sprint speed has one stolen base. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that one. I don't know if they're going to let him run uh, right in front of Juan Soto, especially, like you said, if, if Juan Soto's just going to be walking a lot of the time anyway. He's going to be so, walking a lot of the times anyhow. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, so <laughs> why, 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 if you know you're probably going to get him to se uh, second base anyways, why let him run into an out and potentially uh, you know hurt the team? I just don't know that I – I don't know that this was the best landing spot for Cesar Hernandez uh, trying to run. Well, in the worst case, he's still going to hit for power, uh, and he's still going to still score runs. The stolen base thing, I get it, but where he's going in drafts, I'm just, I, I've taken him every time I've been in a draft so far. How I just want to ask real something? quick, yeah. Um, for now, we were talking about the Nationals. Just overall, with how their lineup's pretty depleted, you know, of talent. Do you think that hurts Juan Soto in the long run for this year? Uh, I, I made the joke last year when they started when they made the trade. Uh, I started calling him King in his court. He's like he's Eddie Fainer. Everybody else sit down, uh, and you know it's that's it. It's like you can if you're sitting there and, and you're the you're the battery that night. You're like, how are we gonna attack this lineup? All right, Lane Thomas will do this. Hernandez will do this. Soto will just pitch around him. Josh Bell will see if he can you know see what he can do. And then after that, it's like, uh, and that's really how that rest of that lineup works. And so if you could, you know, get through the top four and then you should be able to safely navigate the top five. Uh, but if somebody asked me in my draft, like I've picked third uh, and I'm picking third again in some other draft that I have. Uh, and somebody asked me why I passed on Juan Soto. That's why I'm passing on Juan Soto. I'm just afraid he is the home run. The, the good pitches he gets are going to be mistakes. They're not going to be yet. There's no reason to pitch to him. I would much rather take my chances with Josh Bell. Yeah, I know. It's like, again, going through the scenario I had earlier. Let's say Thomas grounds out. Hernandez gets on base. Uh, yeah, I'll walk Soto. That's two men on to face uh, Josh Bell. I know the run expectancy changes, uh, whatnot, but then it's like, okay, can I just load the bases and face Yadi Hernandez? And try to get a double play and be out of the inning. You know, so it really gets some choices. But I, I would be stunned if Juan Soto doesn't lead the league in walks. 
um, or pitches out of the zone this year. Yeah, and any time, I mean, let's just say, you know, God forbid he gets you know, a hamstring injury or something small. There's going to be no, they're not going to be competing, right? There's going to be no playoffs in the uh, in the site. So I could just see anything kind of happen. They're just going to shut him down because there's no reason to push him. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, my guy after pick 300 can, you know, it's pretty easy, right? And Jason, you can hold up the sign. You still have the Bradley Zimmer sign because that's who I'm going with. Uh, <laughs> I uh, wish I did. I'm looking around. I'm like, no, I don't have it. <laughs> I think Bradley Zimmer, in spite of the fact he may strike out 35% of the time, uh, is going to get an opportunity to play. He plays good defense, uh, and Cleveland just does not have the outfield depth to not give him at least a strong side platoon. And I think in a strong side platoon, he can steal 20 bases with, you know, clear upside for more. So uh, a lot of other guys that are interesting after pick 300, uh, but Bradley Zimmer is the guy who I just keep falling back on. Uh, draft Cleveland draft. doesn't have the outfield depth. Yeah. Circa yep. 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20. It's like every year it's been the same story. It's, it's crazy. Yep. Maybe that's where Tommy Pham should go. It might not be a bad spot for him, actually. I mean, I wouldn't like it for my Bradley Zimmer uh, <laughs> teams, but uh, that that might not be a bad spot uh, for uh, for them. Though I think fans probably going to want more money than Cleveland's probably willing to spend. But we'll see. Uh, let's uh, let's move into average boosters, right? You know, averages like speed in the sense that it's kind of hard to find. So, who's a guy, Marty, that you're targeting after pick two hundred that might help you boost your average? Yeah, so for me, it's going to be uh, Jamer Candelario. So third baseman for the Tigers, ADP is currently at 225. Uh, it's been well documented all offseason how shallow third base is in general. Uh, thus, you know, the corner infield position, you know, is a little, uh, little bit more shallow. Last year, Candelario batted 271 over 626 plate appearances, and his expecting batting average was in the 83rd percentile. So, um, you know, everything I see for him there, he walks at a really good rate. His ex-woba is in the 78th percentile. His ex-slug was in the 73rd percentile. People just, you know, after he was, uh, you know, a bigger prospect for the Cubs and then he got traded and he's been kind of quiet, you know, since he's been here in the Tigers. But I think he's going to be uh, quietly a good, uh, a good addition to help you boost up your uh, batting average at a shallow position. Jason, who you got? Yeah, I like the Candelario pick. Uh, I and, and let's be real here. You know, outside the top 200, if a guy's a batting average help, he has flaw somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's just you have to accept that uh, that truism. Uh, and it's either uh, an empty batting average or something. But like to me, the most attractive guy here in that range was Yuli Gurriel. And yeah, he's ancient. I mean, he turns 38 this year. Uh, and he does hit the ball a lot on the ground, but he's also hit over 290 in three of his past four seasons and just won the Yale batting crown. Um, and do I expect him to win another AL batting crown? No. Do I expect the aging curve to hit him a little more this year? Yes. Uh, but it should be a gradual uh, decline, What he, the way he's able to hit. Again, a very high-contact hitter. Uh, and he's going to have a lot of traffic on the bases in front of him. So not only is he going to help you with the average, as long as he doesn't hit 232 again like he did in 2020, but uh, yeah, that just if you take 2020 out of it, he's been one of the most consistent batting average guys, and he's still hitting in the middle of the lineup with a lot of traffic in front of him. Um, so I do like him again this year. I really loved him last year, uh, and, and I'm not drop. I, I'm I, I'm not fading because I know the reaction is okay. His batting average, you know, he was up that way. We got to drop him a little bit, sure. But to me, it, the the hate hasn't gone too far. It's just he's. I believe he's still a value even here. Yeah, I, I like Yuli Gurriel. He was a guy who was 
uh, in on last season uh, and made a lot of profit. And for some reason, in spite of making a lot of profit on where he took him last year, he hasn't raised that much in the ADP. Uh, In that same vein, uh, I was going to take, again, someone who Jason is taking next round, but uh, for the the next round of them. Uh, So in the same vein, I'm going to go with Frank Schwindel. Uh, and people are going to be like, oh, what he did is fluky and I can't repeat it. Yeah. Do I expect him to hit over 300 again? No, absolutely not. But I mean, this is a guy with a 91.5% zone contact percentage. Uh, the Cubs don't really have anyone else to challenge him for that first base spot. Plus to be adding the DH. I think he's going to play every day. I think they're going to give him an opportunity. And uh, yeah, he, he's not some young prospect. He's, you know, he's an older kind of a journeyman, you know, quad A player. But in that Cubs team that's going to be rebuilding and not adding other people, hopefully, uh, I think Schwindel is a nice little bargain, uh, especially if you're looking to boost your uh, batting average after pick 200. Yeah. Uh, Jason, go ahead and say our guy because uh, that's who I was going to go with for this one. So I went with Charlie Blackman. Uh, and because I, it's just been an observation where, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he was much more valued, but I've, I've seen some other people much smarter than me uh, in the past few weeks talking about how they believe that uh, Blackman's being undervalued on the market. I will tell you, like I took him in the, I took him at 1810 in my DC 50. And I did that as part of roster construction because I had taken Bobby Dahlbeck the previous round uh, as much as I like Bobby Dahlbeck, you got to have insurance for that. And I was planning and I end up, uh, end up executing taking Gary Sanchez in the 21st round. So it's like, I need something to help batting average. And as long as Charlie Blackman is still hitting in Colorado, uh, and I don't expect his contract to be traded, uh, it's it helps uh, in there. So that's why I ended up targeting him. But again, he's got the history of doing what he can do at, at home. And the, and the goal is going to be to maximize those opportunities. And with the way we can set lineups, oh, he's going on the road. Okay, I'm going to take, I'll take my opportunities somewhere else. But Blackman's got that track record uh, and the fact that I can take him, as I, like I said, near the end of the 18th round in a 12-team mixed league, uh, I was I was happy to have that kind of batting average uh, issue because, again, getting into the flaws of where it is, he, he has – his flaw is his age uh, and the fact that he's got to play on the road. But other than that, he can still produce in volume at home. All right, Marty. I think you got a guy in the same kind of vein right here uh, who I mm-hmm. really like as well. So go ahead. Yeah, so it's going to be Michael Brantley. So over the last eight seasons, Brantley has hit at least 299 in seven of those seasons. Seven of the last eight, he's batted at least 299. He's what so they call a professional hitter. Yeah. He really is. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, like in Wedding Crashers where the crazy brother screams, crab cakes and football, that's what Maryland does. When I think of hitting for a good batting average, that's what Brantley does. He, <laughs> he is that dude. He's going to be able to – I mean, his, expecting, his expected batting average was in 100th percentile. The 100th – literally doesn't get better than that. I know he's 34, but he's still – you know, I don't see any – um, see anything with his profile uh, slowing down as far as being able to, you know, get the bat on the ball, and he still plays on the Astros. Yeah, I, yeah, you, you can't ask for much more than that. I actually uh, didn't even think about Brantley when we were doing this, uh, you know, kind of looking at this exercise. But I, he's the perfect call for someone like uh, for for this. You can't you can't position him? I mean, I've watched him hit a bunch. He literally is just like, oh, you're shifting me to the right side. He is so happy. He knows his role is to get on base. That's that's yep. his role. He knows, you know, run production if the opportunities are there. But 
he will he is one of the true guys that will hit the ball wherever it's pitched low and away i'm gonna i'm gonna flail it over that direction and you just you have to play him straight up that's honestly your best chance on slowing him down is playing him straight up yep uh my guy is uh not an old guy like you guys uh, have picked um it's nick madrigal uh, I, I think we've kind of forgotten a little bit about him. I think there was a video, actually, I haven't even seen it yet, uh, that came out of him hitting yesterday. It looks like he's put on a little bit of weight uh, or put on some muscle uh, and is looking pretty healthy. If he is healthy, uh, he's going to be playing every day for the Chicago Cubs. I mean, and this is a guy who has all he's done since, uh, you know, getting to the majors and throughout the minor leagues is hit for average. I don't know that there's going to ever be a ton of power there or any power there. Um, I don't know how many stolen bases we're necessarily going to get, but dude can set the table and hit for average. Uh, and so if you're looking for that late, Nick Madrigal at your second base spot, I think it's a little bit uh, forgotten about. I think he's going to be an interesting guy uh, because, you know, he's he's projected to hit ninth. Nico Horner projected to pit, uh, hit eighth. Both guys very similar. I mean, Madrigal elite bat the ball skills, but Horner uh, is no slouch on his own. And, you know, if I'm if I'm managing the Cubs, I'm putting those two guys together and allowing, you know, Madrigal can get on base. Okay, let's do hit and run because, you know, uh, with Horner on base because Madrigal can uh, control the ball, uh, bat the ball skills so well, set up hit and run to flip the lineup back over to the top. Now that we no longer have to worry about pitchers ruining the, uh, the offense down at the bottom, you know, these two guys could work well together. I, I, I too, uh, don't feel that Madrigal is ever going to hit uh, a double-digit home run total. Uh, Craig, if you're listening, I know you're probably already direct messaging me that I'm wrong, um, <laughs> but I'm not wrong uh, in that. And so, but again, he he has elite elite bat the ball skills, uh, and if they do the hit and run, that's only going to help him hit for average. The only problem is I don't expect him to run because remember he's coming off that serious hamstring. He had to have that stuff sewn back. Uh, he completely tore his hamstring uh, from the uh, from the bone had to have that sutured back in. Uh, and so I that's the only thing I don't expect in where I truly uh, look at it like a really empty batting average, uh, but it could be a really, really good empty batting average. Yep. All right. And I see you real quick, just about the Cubs, just in general, I see like just the market is just down on the whole team, just across the board. As it probably should be, but maybe. Correct. I, I think but that's going to give you a lot of opportunity, you know, for those, you know, the, the Frankie Schwindels of the world that come out of nowhere, you know, they're going to play, you know, every single day. So, you know, Clint I, I really like that scene there. Carlos, Carlos Marcano said, "Hey, He's the man. big fan of Marty. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big we, fan of Carlos." So we had Carlos on recently. Yep. He's, he's an awesome. Last dude. week, uh, yep. yeah, that's right. It, this week is uh, I've had two mouth surgeries and uh, TGFBI going, and, and it's been a been a rough week. I don't I, the days have been long for me, so I can't tell what's what anymore. Um, uh, let's uh, let's move on to guys uh, post 300 for batting average. Marty, who you got? Yeah, and this is where it starts to get pretty dirty. So uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff McNeil's my guy. He's going to his ADP is 317. He has the second base outfield eligibility. Last year was obviously a really you know down year for McNeil and pretty much the rest of the Mets just in general. But when you look at his career, so over uh, 1,450 plate appearances, McNeil has batted 299 with a 364 OBP. So you combine that with, you know, he doesn't strike out too much. And I believe overall the Mets are going to have uh, more production. I think they're going to be a better offensive team this year. I believe the talent's going to mesh better. And uh, McNeil is going to be at the bottom of that order. 
but he's slated to start at second base, and you know if he gets the um, uh, the plate appearances, he's he's going to be able to maintain that good batting average throughout the season. Yep, I, I mean I think McNeil's one of those guys that may need another landing spot though. Like if, if like are the Mets gonna say like hey with what we're bringing in or what we've brought in, we don't have enough plate appearances. Maybe they can trade for some extra pitching. Maybe they could. I don't. I I don't know where, what to do with McNeil right now. I've never been a McNeil guy. I was fading him last year. It's probably going to continue to fade him until we have a little bit more clarity on on what his playing time situation looks like. Yeah, it doesn't look crystal clear, so we're going to have to wait on that. And I think the the 2019 season where we started to see him hit some home runs, I think that's you know far in the past, and that was more of the bouncy ball. But like I said, post 300, looking for somebody yeah. who can hit around 300. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll take him. I think that's fair. Jason, post 300 average booster. Luis Arias. Uh, he has a Classic. has a career batting average at the major leagues of, of, of 313 uh, over three years. All he did in the minors was hit. All he's done in the majors is hit. Literally, because he's done nothing else. Hasn't hit for power. Hasn't really scored runs. Uh, hasn't, uh, hasn't stolen any bases. It is He is the uh, iconic batting average booster. Uh, and the fact that he uh, likely right now on paper is supposed to hit leadoff for Minnesota. And so getting back to that same kind of thing where, you know, Segura and Kemp uh, and Arias are all set to hit leadoff uh, and they're all going, they're going later and later and later. Now, as, as you know, I'm looking at that lineup, I'm also reminded that Trevor Larnock's hitting ninth in that lineup and then wondering, man, Tommy Pham's a really good fit for Minnesota. You know, he, he played in Tampa Bay when Rocco Baldelli was there as a coach, has a relate like, you could see that kind of thing, and then Fan maybe goes to the top, and then Arias goes ninth, and then he loses all that time uh, opportunity to help your batting average. Uh, but for me, Arias has been somebody that I've uh, been attempting to target. As the, uh, I try to get in this DC fifty, and I screwed up. Somebody took him at the top of the twenty fifth round. So when I took Telez, I was like, okay, he'll make it back to me, and he didn't. Uh, and and Arias did did not make it back to me. So I ended up taking a picture that we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, but that's where that swung. I was really hoping to get a rise to go along with the black men uh, and the fan batting average anchor uh, that I'm hoping for with fam. Uh, and I missed out because team one screwed me. Yeah, that, that happens. Uh, I don't have to worry about getting sniped anytime soon. Cause the guy who's taken every minute of the turn is now on the clock in my draft. So uh, if you I see, mean, uh, man, what was I on the other day? Um, I made four picks during something. Oh, the one, the turn two podcast when I was on with Rob Silver and uh, the guys. Uh, I made four picks in my the, at the end because things were flying in the final rounds. See, that's I'm medication. Not- that's what we need. You know, get these <laughs> things moving. <laughs> were they good uh, picks? I don't know. <laughs> I'm actually uh, in the process of listening to that. I'm, I'm about a half an hour in, so I'm uh, looking forward to hearing. An hour went two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. Getting you and Rob Silver together is not going to make for a, a quick podcast. That's uh, it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my guy is, uh, it feels like everybody's favorite sleeper, and that is Connor Joe. Uh, and speaking of leading off uh, on a mediocre bad team, uh, Connor Joe is projected to lead off for the Rockies. Uh, hit 285 last year with an XBA of 283. We all know that course helps kind of boost up people's averages. Going to you know that lineup is not going to be as good as it's been in past years, but it's still Coors, and he's still potentially going to be leading off for that team. So uh, give me Connor Joe after pick 300. I'll, I'll take the gamble there. 
Yeah, he's somebody that I picked up uh, last year as well and, you know, rode him the last, you know, month or two before he got injured for the rest of the season. But, yeah, he should be there. It's a great ballpark. Plenty, plenty of plate appearances. It is the Rockies, so we never actually know what's going to happen. But yeah. uh, at that pick, hey, you can't go wrong. Yeah, most generic name ever. Just, that too. Yeah. John Dowd, Connor <laughs> Joe. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to starting pitching, uh, going after pick 200. Uh, Jason, who you got? Jordan Montgomery. Do not quit on him, man. Uh, it is, in fact, I talk about him quite a bit on the Turn 2 podcast. Uh, when you look at why, why I'm always a fan of him is you know, he, I, I kind of comped him to a modern day Jimmy Key, right? He doesn't, doesn't pitch off his fastball. He pitches off his other stuff. His fastball is there to help set up his other stuff, but he throws five pitches and he'll throw four of the righties and lefties. So he keeps guys guessing. Uh, what was frustrating last year was he made 30 starts and had six wins because he had some of the worst run support in baseball. He was getting 3.2 runs per game. Uh, and you think about, oh, it's the Yankees. But it seems like the, the running joke was too many home runs. They, their offense was based on home runs. It, it felt like the games that he was starting in, uh, they weren't hitting home runs and they weren't scoring. But for him, he led the league with 17 no decisions. Ridiculous amount. And even over the down the stretch, and, I, and this was painful for me because I'm trying to pursue two, two different AL uh, titles um, and in a mixed one, and he gave up zero or one earned runs in six of his last eight starts, got two wins out of that, two. Uh, and wins were such a tight category across the board last year, and for him to go uh, to get two wins out of that uh, level of start was just unheard of. Duke can't be that unlucky again this year. So I'm back in on Joan Montgomery um, at his price, uh, and if you've been in a draft with me, you know that because I've, t- I've taken him. All right, Marty, who's your guy? Patrick Sandoval. So talking about, you know, darlings of the fantasy industry, you know, over the last, you know, six months, it's a, his uh, value has absolutely increased a lot. So um, over in 2021, over the 87 innings he pitched, he had a 3.62 ERA, a 4.03 whip. Um, the K percentage, pretty good, 25.9. Uh, walk percentage at 9.9%. So when I see Sandoval, I see a guy who has, um, you know, some – some potential, you know, unlimited potential that we, you know, haven't seen yet. And what's really funny is he's an Angels pitcher. He's projected to pitch 142 innings, which isn't that much. But for the Angels, that's actually he's projected to pitch the most out of anyone on that staff. So at the the current price that he's at, and what I've seen him, I like his ground ball rate, 51.1 percent. And I think 2022 is going to be a big year for him. Yeah, I'm I'm in on Sandoval as well. Uh, so it's a great call. It feels like the industry kind of does the Charlie Brown kick on football thing with him every year, but maybe this is the year Sandoval finally connects. Let's go watch him pitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go. It, it's fun when he's on. Just go watch him pitch. I'm like having – I remember having to trade him to uh, clinch a deal as I was chasing one of those AL pennants uh, that I didn't win, uh, and it's going to hurt me to watch Sandoval pitching for somebody else because I had him as a $5 reserve pick last year. Uh, and it, it was fun, and then I flipped him, and I'm trying to remember what I traded him for, but maybe I don't want to look. I would say maybe it's best yeah, no, you, just, you just move on. It's going to be like, oh, man, I gave him up for what? I, I know who I gave him to, but I don't remember what I gave up, and that's the pain part. Those, uh, those kind of trades in Keeper League stick with you. Uh, I, I remember trading um, in one of my first years of playing fantasy, trading a dollar Chris Sale for a $14 J.D. Drew. Uh, 
when you know right after her sale had come up in like September and you know, be like okay I'm I'm gonna get the fourteen dollar JD Drew to to carry me over and then having to watch this guy hold it a dollar uh Chris sale for the next I found five years. it I traded for a final year Sean Manaya. Yeah, so I, have, I no longer have Manaya, and he's got, yeah. and he has uh, flags fly forever, brother. I mean, except yeah, except the flag is second, fly. yeah, second place flag. <laughs> <laughs> so All the right, base trophies in the bathroom, as we learned from um, Slider and Top Gun. Uh, there's a ton of guys in this spot that I really like. This is one of the things, you know, I've been talking about all draft season uh, so far is just how deep starting pitching goes. Um, you know, the two guys that kind of uh, zeroed in on after pick 200 that wouldn't take away too many options for later on uh, were teammates on my team on the San Francisco Giants, Anthony Descalfani um, and Alex Wood, both who pitched very, very impressively last year and both re-signed uh, deals to stay in San Francisco. So I'm I'm very, very excited for both of them. Uh, I, I think on a previous episode, I even talked about Alex Wood uh, potentially being the next Robbie Ray. That may have been episode 1000. Um, you know, a guy who has always been good. The the issues with him has been health. Looked healthy last year. Uh, you know, showed all the same skills that we've seen from him throughout the years. So big on Alex Wood. But Descalfani, uh, you know, it was fantastic in San Francisco uh, last season. If you, if you kind of pick and choose, I know you can't do this, but if you pick and choose the box scores and you don't use the – you know, starts against the Dodgers. You don't use the start in Colorado. Like he was one of the best pitchers in baseball and fantasy uh, players may have actually missed all of those, right? You may not have wanted to start him against the Dodgers. You may not have wanted to start him in Colorado. He, he was absolutely fantastic. Otherwise, I think that park uh, kind of hides a lot of Descalfani's uh, flaws. So looking forward to having him on a number of teams again this year. Uh, $2 NL only pick last year. There you go, right? Uh, all right, let's uh, move after pick 240. Jason, who you got? Oh, who did I pick in this one? I need to remember. I chose the Jesus Lizard. I went with Jesus Lizardo uh, and because I was impressed. Uh, if you have not gone back and watched his final start of the year against the, the Phillies, go do that. Uh, you know, He was working on some process changes once he left Oakland and came to Miami. Uh, I think we talked about this six, six seven weeks ago. You know, he's a kid from South Florida. Now he's back home instead of across the country. Miami's done some things to say, hey, you should work on this. Uh, and watching that last start last year, you could see when it comes together. It's like, wow, that that's impressive. He had 11 strikeouts and five and a third and stuff looked great. But go watch that. But, you know, this was it was this time last year where the Jesus Lizard was just outside the top 100. And now he's going here. Now, when we first started having the conversation about this guy this winter, he was outside the top 300. So he has moved up in, over the last six to, to eight weeks. So now he's outside. Now he's outside the pick uh, 240. But you know, he could have been an outside 300 guy if we had recorded this two months ago because that's where he was. I remember looking at it uh, and saying, "Wow, how the mighty have fallen uh, from one season to the next." All right, Marty, who's your guy? I'm going to stick with my Chicago Cubs theme. So Kyle Hendricks, uh, currently ADP 281. Kyle's only 31 years old. And so we're only a couple of years removed from the 2020 year where his uh, XERA was in the uh, 82nd percentile. His XOPP was in the 93rd percentile. You know, he did a really good job of limiting hard contact and everything like that. Um, and he's he's going to eat and do uh, 
pitch a ton of innings. You know, I haven't projected for about 180 innings. I still believe at 31 years old, he's going to be able to do that. And something that you don't see in stats or in the box score or anything like that is that Hendricks wasn't motivated last year. You know, we forget these guys are you know athletes. They compete. They want to win, you know. And when you see your whole team get depleted and they take all of your stars and you're left there and there's no expectations for the rest of the season and their pitching coach actually talked about it. He saw Hendricks just wasn't trying as hard. He wasn't fully engaged. Now, that might make you a little scared for this year because the Cubs, spoiler alert, they're not going to be good this year either. But I believe he's going to have a renewed focus. Um, they talked about how he wasn't believing in the pitches that he's thrown for the last few years. So it was just kind of just overall just a mess of a season for Hendricks. He's still limiting hard contact. His K rate was the lowest it's been since his rookie year. So I expect that to go up because it's only at 16%. Um, but for where he's at, and again, just have a pitcher who's going to eat a lot of innings. I really like Hendricks at the spot. All right. Uh, I don't know if I can do Hendricks again, man. He burned Sports said the, Paul said the same thing um, yeah, when he hurt. was on ours. <laughs> yeah. That one just That's hurt okay. too much. Uh, um, That's okay. I'll get him, and we'll, 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 we, can, okay. uh, we can talk yeah. about it next year. <laughs> yeah. I'm rooting for him. Hendricks is a guy that I, I've, uh, I've liked for a number of years. But, um, yeah, I don't know that I, I – he burned me pretty hard. I think I had him as a top 25 pitcher last year. So uh, that, that, that hurt. Um Drew Rasmussen is a guy that I keep falling on in drafts. Like, uh, and I think people are afraid of taking uh, Tampa Bay pitchers, but he was really, really impressive. Um, and I think, and probably Jason will probably speak to this one way or another. I think he's likely locked in to one of those rotation spots. Good uh, fastball slider guy. Um, I'd like to see him develop a third pitch, but uh I'm been I was really really impressed with what I saw and I think he's kind of overshadowed by the young arms on that team guys like Boz and McClanahan uh, and people don't give Rasmussen enough enough credit for what he did and I think that Boz might be the one on the outside looking in when it comes to rotation spot come spring uh, and not Rasmussen Jason you got a rebuttal on that one uh, no, not much. I just, I'm, I've honestly struggled with how to, to rank, uh, Rasmussen, uh, this winter because watching him pitch, like I, I, I felt like he had more major league value than fantasy value. Cause you try to look at the numbers and try to say what he does extremely well. It doesn't, nothing in the surface stats really pops to that point, but what he does really well is attack the strike zone with regularity. Like uh, it, it, it kind of shows up in first pitch strike. It kind of shows up in an overall strike rate. Uh, but what he does is he uses that riding fastball high, uses the stuff low. He's working north, south in his own, but he's challenging and attacking and forcing the action uh, with, with opposing hitters rather than trying to nibble. Uh, because quite frankly, he doesn't have the command to nibble. He's not good enough. But if he's like, hey, I'm gonna here's Zanino or whoever Mejia, and I'm gonna set up here and, and he misses it, but he is attacking the strike zone because he trusts his stuff enough. And I wish more guys would do this. Uh, but what was just it was very impressive to me is to watch him how his pitches per plate appearance uh could be really low compared to other guys. Like all of a sudden you look up, you're hey, we're in the fifth inning, he has 70 pitches. This is great. Uh, and he would do this against disciplined lineups, he would do it against undisciplined lineups, um, and then you know, there are times, yeah, postseason, uh, Boston got to them uh, type of thing. But that's going to happen. They're a really good lineup. Uh, but that's why I have a really tough time valuing him because of I, I, I appreciate the approach. I just don't know if it's sustainable long term given his uh, 
unpolished repertoire. Doesn't really have the off-speed pitch yet. It's not like he doesn't want to use it, but he doesn't. He hasn't used it enough yet for me to fully buy in that this is a guy who's going to give me six innings every time he's out there. All right. Uh, before we move on to post 300, I do have a question from the chat. Uh, Jeff is asking, I have the fifth pick. Should I go Cole or uh, or what batter would you grab? Uh, if Cole's still there at pick five, I'm taking Cole every time. Uh, Jason, any thoughts on where you would go at pick five? Only I would I would agree and take Cole as well, uh, as long as it depends what the rest of his plan looks like for roster construction. If it's one of these things where, hey, I have a I have a plan. If I take Cole, this is what I'll do, then be ready to execute that. If you came in with this is what I want to do, switching from, you know, like using the example earlier, Juan Soto went fifth in my draft. Uh, so if you had a plan of, of like targeting a Soto or something, and all of a sudden you're looking at it saying, hey, I got to take uh, Cole, be prepared to address how that's going to change the rest of your uh, plan, especially in the first few rounds, because you're 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 trying to add up your categories as you move through. And if you've done that, what are your pitching targets? I mean, we've talked about some pitching targets here. Um, this may be your next round of pitching targets. It, it may be the Jordan Montgomery's and the, and the Jesus Lazardo and the Kyle Hendricks. That may be your SP two, uh, depending on how you attack things, but have a plan of attack for that. Uh, but I agree. If, if Cole's there at the five, just the way pitching has uh, kind of been uncertain, uh, I have a really tough time passing on him. Marty. Yeah, Cole's my number one pitcher. So if he's there at the the fifth spot, I don't have any problem taking. You know, um, that's if Tatis and you know Turner and Soto they're all gone. You know, because yeah. my number one thing I need to get is a guy who's going to hit me. You know, round three hundred, get your double digit stolen bases, and you know twenty at least twenty five home runs. So if those guys are gone, in, you know immediately, Cole's my next. That's that's who I'll go to. Yeah, I mean, easily my top five are Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, Cole, Tatis, and uh, Bichette. So, I mean, you can't go wrong with a top five pick this year. Uh, so one of those guys will be there for you. Uh, but, I mean, I, I love getting Garrett Cole there. You know, hard to pass up on those stolen bases, but depending on the size of your league, should be someone there in the second round for you. I, somehow in my draft, I got Cedric Mullins in the third round. Um, people just giving me championships. Uh, <laughs> uh, starting pitcher after pick 300 there, Marty. Adbert Azale from the Chicago Cubs once again. So ADP is at 347.96. I love that he's only 26 years old. He rates well in Eno Saris' Stuff Plus model. Um, he posted a 3.81 Sierra last year, which is a lot better than his 4.58 ERA. Um, the K percentage, uh, it's 24.7, which is around the league average. Um, the ground ball rate isn't as good as I'd like to see, but as a young guy with good stuff, you know, and um, essentially anything after, I mean, we're, we're at pick 350 here. So if he's your fifth, sixth starting pitcher, I like that for your roster. Yeah, Jason's stealing mine right here, so I'm going to let him go. Well, I said that, uh, I said back in October, Andrew Heaney was this year's Robbie Ray. I'm not running from that. Mm -hmm. uh, if he stinks, then I have, you know, oops. Uh, I know this has been a Justin guy for a couple of years, but when I was asked this question uh, at first pitch Arizona, uh, sitting at a table talking with Jeff Erickson, this is the guy that I came up with looking through the conditions of what Robbie Ray was coming into the season. You know, the conditions were one good fantasy season with a bunch of bad ones. He had, you know, Keeney obviously has that. Above average strikeout rate, Keeney has that. Continue a case of gopheritis thanks to a lot of fly balls. He has it. Perpetually bad ratios. He has it. Issues with splits. He has them. Extreme issues third time through the order penalty. He has them. That was Robbie Ray this time last year. That's Andrew Heaney now. 
goes to the Dodgers. Obviously, should enjoy some uh, nice run support, should fall into some wins, much like Ray did. I mean, Ray had the second-best run support of all pitchers last year. That certainly helped. Yes, he pitched well around that, but you know, wins obviously was a big part of his fantasy value last year. Uh, with that, and you know, he's with a with a club that recognizes not leaving guys out there too long, and has good bullpen options to help protect wins. So that's why uh, I continue to advocate for rostering Heaney, and have in fact done so. I mean, you're not going to get an argument from me on that. No, <laughs> me not. neither. Uh, I'm targeting him on the back end as well. I mean, mm-hmm. just who knows? He might he might find that extra gear, and the Dodgers are able to do that. So he was exciting. my 25th pick uh, in the 25-3 is where I took him. Yeah, that, that Dodgers rotation is not what it used to be. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have an opportunity here. Um, all right, uh, since since he stole Andrew Heaney, um, I, I'm gonna you know Andrew Heaney is a guy that I am the Charlie Brown trying to kick the football with every year, and this guy I'm gonna talk about is another guy who it feels like is starting to develop that a little bit. That's Nate Pearson, uh, who uh, you know has. Really struggled with health the last couple of years. I had a sports hernia that ended his season um, last year. Uh, but he's completely healthy. We saw a bullpen from him the other day where he's looking really sharp. We know he can strike people out, uh, you know, and that I think he's going to develop into being a really, really good young starting pitcher for the Blue Jays. That Blue Jays team is uh, pretty dangerous, and I think people underrate how good that rotation is. You know, uh, Hyunjin Ryu had a down season last year, but I think he's going to bounce back. Another guy you can get late around pick 200, but Nate Pearson might pick for after 300. Yeah, and that's, um, I mean, I can't really think of any uh, pitchers have more of a roller coaster to begin their career, you know, and kind of huge expectations and then, you know, getting hurt and everything like that. I potentially see him as a, a bullpen guy, you know, until I'm able to see him, you know, really get in there and be consistent. But uh, yeah, I mean, what he flashes is super exciting. So this is going to be the year we're going to have to see something because he's still a prospect, which seems impossible, <laughs> but he is. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, as, as we see the fantasy industry, when a prospect does not succeed, the fantasy industry just gives yep. up on them. They uh, suck. So yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> they're I, a bust. I love these guys that are still performing at high levels, and uh, but the industry has kind of given up on them because they didn't, they weren't successful or didn't get to the majors as quickly as they wanted them to. So uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, reliever picks. Who's a reliever that you're taking uh, after pick two hundred? There, Jason. Me, Jake McGee. Uh, said this last year. I'm still there, uh, Justin. What was the mantra last winter? Don't trust Gabe Kapler. There you go. Uh, and so it still applies this year uh, because I, I know that Camilo Doval is projected to be the closer. Uh, but again, we're talking about a guy with fewer than 30 innings of major league experience and a minor league track record of walking a bunch of dudes. Uh, and if that happens again, where does Gabe Kapler go? He's got options. He's got McGee who saved 31 last year. He's got Tyler Rogers. So he has options. I don't, and he's never shown the, uh, 
the desire to just hand the ball off to the same guy every game. Even before Duvall surfaced last year, it was still matchups. Sometimes it'd be McGee, sometimes it would be Rogers. And so for me, when I'm looking, and McGee's done it, yeah, he's a one-trick pony. It's just all fastballs and a show-me slider every now and then. But he's a unicorn. It works for him. Uh, and, the, and the fastball continues to ride. So for me, I, I would love to get him uh, in this range as, as a closer three, as we continue to see, especially in main event and different formats where closers continually decline. If you're looking for a guy that can give you 20 saves after, the, after around 200, this is the dude. All right. Marty, who you got as a reliever going after pick 200? Yeah, and I think it's super important what Jason said as far as, you know, we're talking about your relief pitcher number three. So th these guys better not be your first or your second. You know, for <laughs> me, I'm in, I'm investing in, you know, one of my top 10 guys, maybe to hopefully get two of them by, you know, round 12 or something like that. So I don't have to – it's just closer. I don't want to have to worry about it this year. Yeah. I just want to be able to get the guys that are supposed to be there to do their thing. And um, my favorite reliever after pick 20, it's going to be Gregory Soto for the Tigers, ADP 204.96. The good news is Soto's the unquestioned closer for the Tigers going into 2022. So he has a solid strikeout percentage of 27.5, and he was actually an all-star for the team last year. So they are invested, and he, that is his role to lose. Now, the biggest concern is that he walks everybody. <laughs> like, and that is something you cannot do as a relief pitcher. So I'm hopefully you know, another year under Chris Fetter and the, the pitching uh, staff for the Tigers can hopefully get him you know, kind of just – Calm down, buddy. You know, those strikes, nip at the corners, and then go from there. Um, but the biggest thing for me with Soto is that he is the closer. That is going to be his role until he blows it. All right, Jason, who you got? Uh, well, I had McGee. Are we running to round two? Oh, sorry. That's my bad. I've, um, like I said, long day. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. My guy to pick 200. <sighs> Uh, I'm going to go Dylan Floro. You know, I know there's some talk that the, the Marlins could bring in another guy, but I, I don't know why they would spend their assets that way. I think Floro's proven at the end of the season last year that he could be the guy in Miami uh, and a guy that doesn't cost them a lot of money. Um, you know, maybe they do go out and get a Jansen or an Ian Kennedy or something like that, but I just I, I don't see how that helps them further along their rebuild. I think they should be going in and getting an, an everyday player or, or uh, someone like that to kind of help bullshit lineups. So Dylan Floro, I think he's a guy that's a little bit slept on because people don't believe that he's going to be guy come opening day. Uh, pick 240 there, Jason. Pick 240 for me. Uh, I went with, uh, who did I go with? Aaron Ashby here. Uh, and this really goes to uh, skills, not role. Uh, right now, we don't know exactly where he is going to work. He could be a swing guy, could be in the rotation uh, could be in the bullpen. Um, if one of these many uh, Josh Hader trade rumors ever come to fruition, then you could look at Ashby taking up. Ashby's got the stuff to contribute today on that major league roster uh, and, and be effective. And I know you look at his numbers last year, you're like, huh? Using your point about Discofani earlier, take away Ashby's first outing, take away his last outing, and then look mm -hmm. at the sweetness in the middle. The, that first and last were just atrocious. Uh, but everything else looked great. And so he's able to do that. So for me, with the undefined role, it, it's it's why he's here. Like if they turn around and traded Hater as soon as the stupid lockout's over, Ashby's value could, could jump uh, in a big way uh, and because the stuff's good. And so for me, that's the guy that I'm targeting here in this range. 
And I just noticed that I stole Marty's uh, guy of 240s to talk more about Dylan Floro there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I followed the rules here, Justin. You said <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, 240. But mm-hmm. no, yeah, but no. Uh, my favorite thing about Floro is that he's projected for 19 saves with a 3.59 ERA. That's, you know, I think you're right that most, not everyone believes that, that he's going to be the closer. But as of right now, it looks like he, he is. He's able to – he does a great job of limiting hard contact, which is super important as a closer. I would like to see more strikeouts um, and for him to to walk less people. His uh, walk percentage is in the 35th percentile, which you just can't have you know, as a, as a closer. But um, at his ADP, Floro, I like that um, – like you said, if you get close to 20 saves this late in the draft, it's going to be a good pick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other guy uh, I've got picked 240, Lou Trevino, like – the A's are not going to be going out and getting that, you know, bull, extra bullpen piece. I don't think this uh, this offseason. I'd be surprised if they spent another dime, even on like mowing the grass or anything in in Oakland. I mean, they put goats gonna, out there. Yeah, they're just they're, from a local farm. They're going to have their minor leaguers out there with scissors, uh, kind of trimming the grass like that. That's how that's how bleak things are in Oakland. So you have to really look at their roster as constructed. And Trevino's the guy, man. He was good down the stretch for them. Uh, I think he's a, a really, really cheap closer. Could get 15 to 20 saves uh, for for them this year. And when you're talking about a guy going that late, it's you know, it's just bonus pick, right? So, all right, Marty, go ahead and uh, give me your guy post 300. We're, we're getting really deep into this. Yeah. Uh, into the really Justin's trying to think yeah. about what it is. <laughs> we're getting deep and dirty with the pick 300. And this is, I swear I'm not a Cubs fan. And this is the last Cub I'm going to bring up. <laughs> I just noticed as I'm going through this, I'm like, geez. I, really, I, uh, I feel like you should take the over on Cubs wins this year. Because, I, know. <laughs> I mean, you're just, you're just hammering yeah. the Cubs all, all day. I am. Um, and yeah, Rowan Wick, um, ADP at 332. Uh, ATC projects him for 14 saves. Um, he's never pitched more than 33 innings in, you know, at the major league level. So that's obviously a huge concern. Um, but he has the role right now. Uh, stuff looks pretty good. Um, he won't have that many save chances, I believe. But, you know, like I said, anything post 300 where you're able to get the closer, I think it's a good it's a good investment. All right, Jason, you got picked uh, post three hundred. Uh, so I don't have a cub, but I will say don't sleep on Cody. Don't sleep on Cody uh, Hoyer uh, either. Mm-hmm. But the for me, it's Jorge Alcala, uh, and why I like Alcala is because the the save situation in Minnesota is not firmly settled. Uh, and what he really showed me showed me something the second half of the season when he came out. I mean, he started the year uh, with with a, a fastball slider approach. Uh, gave up nine home runs in the first half. Comes out over the, over the break, says, I'm going to start throwing a sinker. I'm going to start throwing a changeup. And then became a four-pitch reliever, and the changeup was good. And he allowed one home run the rest of the way. So he became this unpredict- uh, this rather predictable guy that was just throwing hard, 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 had problems with home runs, then said, okay, I'll throw four pitches. And all of a sudden, strikeout rate went up. Home runs went way down. And so I was very impressed with what I saw from Alcala. Uh, last year, and he's somebody that again I'm targeting and taking. Uh, you know, money where mouth is. I took Alcala in the 31st round. Um, with that, I was hoping to get Hoyer in that one, but he went two picks before me in the 39th. I was like, ah, because he was definitely on my target list of, of relievers. Um, because my investment in closers was uh, Class A, Knable, uh, and Kittredge. Uh, so I decided I was going to target relievers 
took Steckenrider, took Alcala, took Tyler Wells, uh, and and I was looking to get Hoyer as the fourth guy in that mix, and that didn't happen. So we'll, we'll have to see how saves play out. All right. Uh, I'll finish it out with uh, the guy who I've rostered on the most amount of teams so far this season in my drafts, uh, and that's because I think he is the closer coming into 2022. Uh, but everybody's drafting someone else a little bit higher, and that's Kyle Finnegan. And Kyle Finnegan is, you know – I think he's going to start with a job. And the reason I think this is because that's what the Nationals do. They go to the guy they ended the season with previously. We, we saw this after the World Series run when uh, Daniel Hudson was the guy they turned to in the ninth inning in the World Series. And everybody then started drafting Tanner Rainey uh, coming in to uh, the, the following season. And I'm sitting there going, if they trusted Hudson to you know win them a World Series, why would they go to rainy to start the year they didn't they went to hudson i think the same thing's gonna happen here kyle finnegan is the guy who's getting saves for him down the stretch uh and it wasn't tanner rainy uh so why are we drafting tanner rainy 20 30 40 spots higher than kyle finnegan yes are the skills bad yes skills are bad but sometimes you just draft the role and when we're talking about a guy going after pick 300 take the gamble you know if you want to pair him up in, in a dc Fine, but I think I think Finnegan's going to be the guy to start the year. I'll tell you about Bold. I, I talked about Team One of my DC fifty earlier. Kyle Finnegan was his first reliever in round thirty one. Yeah. Then he went Pierce Johnson in thirty two. Then he took Cody. Cody he was the guy that took Cody Hoyer from me in thirty nine. Those are his closing options. That's it. Because uh, he spent first thirty rounds on starting pitching and hitting. And a lot of it. Uh, so hopefully he can max out his totals there. But it was an interesting every round. I was like, okay, he's got to take one. Oh, he didn't. Oh, he didn't. I'm sorry. No, he took Matt Barnes in the 17th. So Finnegan was his second reliever, but he waited until round 31 to do that. But I agree. I mean, with if they just give him the opportunity, saves are saves. And you have to have the kind of staff to absorb the rest of the, the damage uh, of carrying such a, a Soto a you know or Finnegan you know, types of guys like that. Yeah, don't do what that guy was doing though. Do not do that Watch, in the draft. He's win the league Espe- and like, especially <laughs> in the draft and hold because like that is uh I mean, like don't get me wrong, like there is, you know, he he he's got great other stats. Maybe he is kind of hunting save and hoping for the best um in terms but like especially in the draft and hold, you can't pick guys up. So if those guys end up not being the guy, he's got zero saves and there is a reasonable chance that all four of those guys do not end up the guy in, in their respective. Teams. It's a nice risky. He's also got Varsho and Rutschman as his two catchers. I mean, that is, he's, he has like, I'm going all in on he's the living on the edge. Yeah. He is, he <laughs> is living out there uh, with Roberto Perez and Luis Torrens as the, as the other options at catcher. But yeah, he, oh, was, he was taking some, it was interesting to see how people, it was the first DC 50 I've ever, because I've always done either uh, the 150 or online championship. So going to a DC 50, it was a little different. Uh, and the nice thing about a DC fifty and those for those who don't play NFBC, so uh, you know these are these are twelve team draft and hold. So it's fifty dollars, twelve teams, uh, you know, but you still get the fifty rounds, um, and you don't have to make the in season, you know, fab pickups. Uh, there is an overall component to these, but it is really, really not worth chasing it. So if you want a a category, you can, because like. 
you know, there's going to probably be a few thousand of these entries and the winner wins a main event entry, which is great, but it's not like the huge cash prize you get for winning, uh, uh, you know, draft champions or something like that. And then I think second place gets like a online championship entry, which is 350 bucks. Again, it's not worth I thought it was something like 400, 100 for winning. But yeah, like you said, it's it, it's uh, not it's not nearly what like the the payout for others. So, I, you know, I've told people there was something this year, though. I, I, I thought I saw something this year where they were for the first time. I think they were adding like you could get a, a $350. They were adding some type of it wasn't a main event entry, but it was, hey, you can get uh, an entry into something else. I thought they added something this year uh, for it. I did. I just wanted to get in and draft something. And so I was looking one morning like, oh, they need one more spot. Click. I'm in. And that's how I got in. And I want to see um, now that you know over the next month or so, we're going to start getting into our, our drafts where there is fab. And I want to ask you guys this before we go. Um, where do you see um, the market for relief pitching going once the you know all the fab um, uh, all the fab leagues start? Do you think it's still going to continue where it's do or die, second, third, fourth, fifth round? Everyone's taking the Hendrixes, and or do you think it's going to kind of calm down? I think it completely depends on the lockout in the CBA. I think this is, I mean, it's definitely more drastic than it's been in years past, but this kind of reliever being put, relievers being pushed up early in draft season happens all the time. Like this is not necessarily uncommon. It's, it's higher than it has been in, in recent years, but go back and listen to podcasts at the, you know, at this time last year. Um, or this, you know, time in 2020 before things got shut down, and you'll hear people say the exact same things. Oh, reliever prices are crazy. Reliever prices are crazy in November, December, and then it calms down a little bit. The problem is it may not calm down this year because there are going to be so many unsettled situations with the lockout. We we don't know where Ian Kennedy is signing. We don't, you know, know where Alex Colomay is signing. We don't know like where Kenley Jansen is signing. Like these guys that would help kind of settle some of these situations that are unsettled we don't have we don't have any idea where they're where they're they're ending up so uh i think that alone is leading to the leading to the the prices continue to be inflated i think once it opens up we're going to see a little bit of dip as people start going oh look ian kennedy signed you know in san diego you know and you know and, and kenley jansen signed you know, in, I don't know, wherever, you know, LA or, you know, whatever. And then, then we start going, okay, we feel a little bit more comfortable. We can add these five teams to the list of teams that have a set closer. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, it's really the scarcity of where things are now. I think Greg Jewett's been doing a good job of, of tracking where things mm-hmm. move. And I, I believe uh, if I, if I'm recalling the tweet correctly, there, you know, things had slid down about half around over the past two weeks. Maybe it went up half around. I forget, but he had the chart showing the some movement, and overall, things are sliding down a, a little bit, but not much. But it was getting kind of ridiculous. Where, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I can say ridiculous, I guess, because I remember I'd play in that. I'd play in so many auction or things where I can control my path. I just don't. I don't want to be handcuffed into. Oh, it's early in the third round. I got to take. If I don't take closer here, I'm not gonna. I'm not getting one on the way back because I know uh, I have a, a AFL Riders League starting. I think that draft starts this week. Uh, I'm picking third, so I'm like I've already picked third. I know what that looks like. Uh, and in that example, you know, I, was, I got Class A in the fifth or uh, fifth round or the fourth round. I forget exactly, but I knew staring at that. If I don't do something here, you know, 
this is where it could go. Uh, and that's obviously not going to change this week. So I may be forced into making the same play again. Uh, who knows? Uh, or uh, construct, we'll see how it goes. You know, that one I got Jose for, um, uh, Ramirez, <coughs> pardon me, Jose Ramirez with third pick, third pick, uh, with third pick. And uh, for folks only on audio, I, I put a two instead of a three. So it wasn't <laughs> your radio is not stuttering at you. At you. Uh, so you know, we'll see how it all uh, comes together. Uh, by the way, the DC 50, the thing I was trying to recall uh, the, for the first time ever this year, um, if you if you are the overall winner in the DC 50, you do get a 2022 main event entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, then second place is 2022 solo shot entry, and then there's a RotoWire OC entry for third place overall. So that's oh. how it's listing here. But then I actually just saw it says that for second place you get a, a oh, three pack of OCs. That must be last year. So yeah, it must be a three yeah three pack of OCs and a one pack of OCs. So yeah, there you go. There and OCs go. are great. I finished second place in an OC last year. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, until the weekend trying to win it. I had a chance to win it, but I finished second. All right. That's going to wrap us up for this episode. Marty, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you, guys. This was, it, as I anticipated, it was a blast. Learned a lot. And um, you guys, you guys, what you guys do is absolutely incredible. I mean, they have over 1,000 episodes. I know you got you two haven't been on every single one of them. But like to be able to carry this, for lack of a better word, this brand – you know, for so long and have just as much as enthusiasm and you guys bringing the show back to the people, always inviting new people on the industry, you know, experienced people on the industry everywhere in between, you know, from, from a distance, we all appreciate it. Well, we appreciate Thank the kind you. words. Uh, remind everybody where you can reach on social media and then plug everything you do at triple play. Yeah. So you can always find me on Twitter at Marty underscore Tallman. If you're watching the, um, the broadcast, you can see there in the, in the corner, um, writing, podcasting, doing everything I can for, for my boys at triple play fantasy. You can find us at trip, uh, tripplayfantasy.com and we'll be doing the fantasy baseball podcast, you know, once a week, all throughout the year. There we go. Jason, where can you reach? What are you working on? My facial reaction is cause I just got assigned my, uh, Draft. I'm picking fifteenth uh, in an in a online draft. No, I was like, do, do not like that was not. I I want to say in my KDS that was my eighth or ninth. Mm-hmm. No. I, I I had said I wanted one. Uh, you know, it was my eighth because I said I wanted one through seven, and then I went fifteen uh, fifteen backwards from there. Because uh, if I, I mean, who was I listening to the other day? Oh, the podcast where. Uh, James Anderson had Rob Silver on. He was talking like he's picked eighth or tenth in like three different drafts, and he's hated every one of those selections. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I, I'd already my previous one I had said one to seven, uh, but then I was like, okay, I want to get at the end. So yeah, I'm picking fifteenth, uh, and that draft just kicked off, and I'm sure somebody's gonna get auto picked at one one. But the, no, the draft starts in ten minutes, uh, so I have to uh, figure out how I'm gonna pick on the wheel. Yuck! I hate picking yeah. at the end. I really do. Uh, but no, working on trying to wrap, wrap up the bold prediction series at Rotowire and the collect calls. Uh, I am in currently into the uh, the AL West, and if I want to tell you what names I am focusing on uh, for that, if you would like to read uh, for that, I can tell you off the top of my head. I have let's see, in Houston, it was Alex Bregman on a bounce back. It was uh, Phil Mayton out of the bullpen uh, in Los Angeles. It is um, Los Angeles as the hitter. I, I picked uh, Matt Matt Face 
because he's going to be a catcher this year. Uh, and that's, that's exciting uh, for what, cause he was a catcher in, in college. So it's not like mm-hmm. it's new to the role, uh, but he doesn't qualify a catcher. Uh, so I took him in the 48th round or, or something like that. But so I have him, uh, I have uh, Michael Lorenzen uh, as a bounce back for starting pitching. Uh, I have Matt Chapman on a bounce back. I have Brent Honeywell in the in the Oakland bullpen, Cal Raleigh and Robbie Ray in Seattle, and then Willie Calhoun and John Gray uh, in Texas. So that's who I'm writing up in that series before I finally wrap it up with the NL West next week. Nice. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, you can hear me obviously on this podcast, but also the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast and TGFBI podcast. Uh, TGFBI announcement is going to be coming out. Here shortly. So who am I annoyed with? Uh, you'll see. You'll see very, very soon. Uh, I think you are going to enjoy your league, Jason, uh, and I think you'll enjoy your league too, Marty. So uh, you I must guys, be in with Yancey. Hopefully, I was in. Uh, I was in the league with uh, Tanner Bell last last year. Oh, that's not at all. So you know, mm. yeah. And I was the I was the guy who um, drafted Lu- uh, Luis Robert um, in the second round. I dropped him, and guess who picked him up? To, to win a Tanner Bell. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little teaser. How about that? Ooh, um, I like that. So, I will. Uh, uh, Marty, you are in League Nine. Um, All right. Exciting. I, let, I will let you pick a number one through 15, and then I will go through and count on my, my list of League Nine and tell you. Uh, who, uh, who one other person, person is. is. So give me a number, okay. one through 15. Uh, I'm going to go with, um, I'll go with 15 since that's uh, Jason's, what he'll be picking at. So, All right. Phil Barrington from the okay. Dynasty Guru. Yep, right. cool. All so, right. We'll and then, Jason, I'll do the same for you. And everybody getting to watch this live. So, What league number am I in? You are in league 17. 17. So I'm going to pick a half of 17, eight and a half. So round up nine. Okay. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Joe Bond from Fantasy Six Pack is in your league. You'll have to wait for the rest. Uh, but those are both real fun leagues. So all righty, uh, you guys, you guys will enjoy those. That'll be coming out here. Let's do it. Uh, probably, yeah. probably the next hour or so. I'll probably drop that out there. So uh, it's one keep- of the best days of the year. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that on my Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB or over on my YouTube, which I believe is either Justin Mason FWFB or Justin Mason Fantasy, one of the two, because it is in video format this year. Uh, All right, for that, uh, that is going to wrap us up. For Marty, uh, Jason, myself, thank you for listening. Uh, Have a fantastic baseball season. See you guys.